So hello and welcome to our latest episode of um, Artists with Juan and Molly. <laughs> and Molly. <laughs> and Molly. Um, we're right at the back of Tate Modern because we forgot they have closing times. And someone else forgot that they've, they have closing time as well. So we're sitting in a Starbucks um, about to have a conversation with with Camille, Camille Fomi, as a, he said, an artist, a London-based artist. Um, and hopefully we'll have a lot to talk yeah. about. So, hello Camille. Hi, hi. <laughs> so we all met at Foundation, and yeah. we went to Foundation, we um, left in 2014. Yeah. And Camille, I feel like your work has changed, so I can't even use the work you created at Foundation as a way to describe your, your practice, but Camille explores masculinity, race, gender, I think in the ways you queer a lot of those things, you question your position, other people's position against the institution, against the art institution, using mediums of video, performances, writings, and yeah, such. So, yeah. Would you agree? <laughs> I would agree, yeah, I would. Uh, I think that's a very, uh, quite accurate reading of the work that yeah. I make. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like we could start this off. Maybe you could just give us an educational art background like where you come from your relationship to art how you got into it the <clears throat> basics yeah so it's quite interesting um i kind of come from a music background originally so i used to produce music mm. i used to always uh, i used to also uh kind of do spoken word and things like that so i was always interested in kind of you know creativity and when i was young i used to draw and stuff like that um Growing up, I was quite uh, disengaged with the institutional academic system, mm -hmm. uh, which caused me to not continue kind of studying when I was younger. Mm. Um, you know, I kind of dropped out of education for a few years, uh, got caught up in a, in, a, in a number of different kind of uh, experiences. Yeah. My life went down a variety of different roads. Um, and eventually I kind of came back to think, you know, what did I want to do with my time? Yeah. Um, and, you know, art and you know being creative is something that I've always loved doing and it's something that I thought you know I, I want to pursue this further now mm. so that's kind of you know how I got into kind of making art in like a fine art kind of context yeah um, but I, I view myself as an artist and have done for many years uh, including during the time when I was producing music yeah and you know involved in areas that were not kind of classified as art so you yeah. saw sound and music as a medium were you always aware of that because i'm saying it because before i did the foundation i called myself a photographer mm -hmm. and then after the foundation i just now that i was using photography as a medium so would you say were you aware of it as a medium i was i was always aware that um so i was always heavily inspired by hip-hop music and hip-hop culture and i feel that within hip-hop you know as a kind of genre i feel there's so many different areas within that so there's the kind of music production area mm. there's the you know spoken word uh, literature kind of aspect of it there's also the performance aspect of it um, there's also this performative kind of way that people may dress and where people may conduct themselves so for me i always saw hip-hop as a, a, an art form that was not regarded as an art form Okay. Uh, purely because it kind of sit within, uh, you know, kind of popular culture and it sit, you know, outside of kind of uh, traditionally what was accepted as art. Yeah. So for me, I always uh, regarded kind of hip hop and not only hip hop, also like reggae music and yeah. those kind of cultural practices as art. Yeah. But I, I also saw that they were not uh, accepted as art, you know, and, and that was something that always... I always questioned it yeah. and it was something that I always wanted to kind of interrogate more. 
I love that you say that because for me, like, I feel like just being like black or brown, I feel like there's a lot of things you do which is art, but it's like renamed and tokenized as tradition, as culture. <laughs> when it's like it's yeah. informing contemporary Western art anyway, like, and I love that because like being Gambian, like going there and like seeing them basically do performance art, like it's basically performance art is rawest and like unlike edited and like it's like cleanest version it could be and for it to be called like oh it's a tradition and it's like stuff it almost de- like demonizes like not not demonizes like de- like what's the word like it like could, it underestimates it underestimates like its potential and its like influence as art mm-hmm. does that make sense mm-hmm. so i'm like happy that you say that because i feel like yeah just being like a person of color anyway you're so informed by culture but also like this culture is art and art in its beginnings mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. What you're saying is that by calling um, art, uh, that you know, that genre and and the culture around it by calling it art, we're reclaiming the space. Yeah, completely. Because it's like tokenized to be culture, as if it doesn't hold space in the art world, as if it doesn't influence like many Western arts. It's just like like a way that Westerners, Western art practitioners, have been able to colonize like art. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's also deconstructing that canon also. Because, you know, if we don't challenge that canon, if we mm. don't interrogate or mm. question it, then we just accept the status quo. Yeah. Mm. You know, so I think, again, it's also about deconstructing and it's about, you know, taking these ideas apart and asking, well, why is this not regarded as art? Yeah. You know, why is it that, you know, you have to have a budget from a gallery and, you know, a kind of schedule and a program before you're regarded as an artist? Mm. You know? Because art's white. Well, yeah, ultimately, it seems that way. Yeah. Um, and I, and I also feel that, you know, again, just to kind of build on the point you made, Molly, um, I feel that, you know, in, in black cultures, I feel a lot of the creativity happens out of necessity. Yeah. So this is creativity that's happened at its most raw level. Yeah. It's not funded. It's not informed mm-hmm. by, you know, institutional yeah. ideologies and things like this. Um, and I think that's also uh, another important factor for me mm-hmm. is, is, you know, kind of coming from an African background and traveling to Africa and just seeing some of the yeah. things people there make. Yeah. Um, I was doing some research for a project that I was doing on, on, on Afrofuturism. Yeah. And I, I came across uh, this kid from East Africa who basically, uh, he made this kind of, uh, it was like a, a detection system that scared away animals that would come to the farm to raid crops. So basically he was the son of a farmer and they used to have these attacks from like local animals. So he built this kind of system to, to keep the animals away, but he built it all from scrap material. And, and it was a successful, uh, you know, successful device that he created. Mm. And again, that fascinated me, uh, purely just because of the creativity that comes from the necessity, but also building on kind of science fiction and Afrofuturist yeah. ideas. I feel that, you know, ideas of like science fiction have all, all, also always existed in the black canon, but I've, ne- but I've never been accepted as such. Yeah. I love, I love that so, story you know. because in a way, I feel like my job as an artist is validated by those stories, you know, because, um, Growing up, I was told that, you know, being an artist wasn't a real job. Unlike you, I went down different paths and then, and then it took me a while to come back to my practice and say, okay, this is my practice and this is art and it, it is valid mm-hmm. just because it is. Yeah. But when you hear stories like, like art's really practical, mm-hmm. the way we create things, are, the, the, the artistic mind is very useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think we, I, I certainly didn't grow up hearing those beliefs or, or thoughts and then you talk about this boy and then 
how something that's actually literally saving their lives mm-hmm. yeah. came from a create mm-hmm. from the creativity of the artistic side of that book and then yeah. the link to Afrofuturism. I think that's it's very validating. Yeah, really. because it's innate in us, but because art has become so elitist and so capitalist, it's not beneficial to the art institution to believe that we can be it could be attainable to be artists mm. because then it makes it accessible and we don't want that do we mm. because anyone could be in the gallery then absolutely i think it also boils down to class as well so yeah, completely. you know i think if you're privileged enough to come from a background where you go to theater mm-hmm. you know you go to galleries yeah. you, know, you have that cultural capital and you're exposed to these things then it makes it it makes you believe in your mind that it's more attainable yeah you know it's more of a reality yeah whereas if you don't come from a background where you do those things then yeah. you're not going to think that it's attainable yeah. or art something that's viable to do as, yeah. a, as a practice you know yeah. uh, I feel generally people that come from working class backgrounds that are from like lower socioeconomic backgrounds they don't have the money to uh, kind of see art as a, a valid mm-hmm. or a viable career yeah. route and I think it's really sad I, I honestly think it's really sad yeah. because I feel a lot of creatives are lost within that yeah I agree I feel like that's I feel that just being who I am and going through like my art educational like background and all the people that have kind of like strayed along the journey and like having friends who had like definitely been so creative and have been so like I don't even want to use the word like talented but just so like valid in their like autonomy of just being able to like make art and like me being able to see the possibility of it Mm. but because art has become what it has become and it is so like it's just I don't even know what the word is it's just so like unaccessible and so exclusive that we like make people and coin terms to be art and make people feel like it's not as accessible as it is and the things that maybe they just do at home could be considered performance art because we don't want to do do you know what I mean like we don't want to like validate that as like something that could be in the gallery space because we don't want those people in the gallery space we want those people benefiting from the gallery space what do you think what what do you think about the um, commodification of art you know we we have these um, outside uh, cultures I'm, and I'm part of the of a queer community and I just I've been following <laughs> this series called Pose and then it, it's all <laughs> about the queer community in the states around uh, late 80s early 90s before the voguing uh, thing came to the surface because of Madonna you know and then it became kind of mainstream and then it just becomes commodified and Mm -hmm. then it just becomes something else that is sort of framed and Mm -hmm. then is diluted and then is packaged properly and do you do you do you think that's happened with the sort of um, art that you're interested in and and how would you fight that Um, do I think it's I I think it's a factor in the art world uh, kind of just per se you know Um, I don't have too many opinions on it, to be honest with you, mm. <clears throat> because I also feel that, you know, as an artist, as a practitioner, you have to find a way to uh, fund that, you know, you have to find a way to, for it to be, you know, susceptible and viable as, as, as something that you're going to do, continue to do into the future. So, you know, I think, I think it's important for there to be, you know, some kind of economic access for artists, mm. but where the problem comes in is when art's commodified. 
So I think it's, it, it, you know, it's a, it's, it's a dichotomy in a sense. Because you become because, a factory. Well, in, well, yeah, well, yeah, or an art worker. Yeah. You know, where you're doing all these... Uh, I just got shivers on my spine when you said art worker. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> That's the new, new thing now is you're an art worker. Yeah. You know, you're going to get all of these kind of uh, performances and talks, yeah. and, you know, which you kind of have to come and work like it's a normal job. Yeah. But then, you know, you're still expected to make artworks and, you know, make work. Which again, it's it, it's very difficult to balance. I've got a lot of friends that are art workers, and and they don't have much free time to themselves mm. because you know they may be in, in Liverpool one day, yeah. then they're in Edinburgh the next day. You know they're not being paid great money, so you know they're just about uh, you know kind of balancing their practice with their life and their livelihood. Um, so I think it, I think it's it, there's there's a bit of mixed feelings there around that. Yeah, because I feel like what I, when you pose that question, I feel like I'm taking from it like, where's credit due, right? So like, because you're talking about like, Vogue in, in regards to like Madonna, like, completely taking ownership of it, and then I feel like then within art, just as like any marginalized identity, your labour of like intense, like in depth, like in like research you have to go through yourself and your trauma to like create interesting like. Yeah, I say that very sarcastically as well. Interest in art is like the 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 money you're getting for that labour is like completely inadequate. And then, but then it's like okay, but then as people of colour who are expected to like make work about race and make work about gender, make work about queerness and stuff, it's like well then, like in reality, it is going to be um, colonised. So it's like okay, then what do we? Where, where's the problem line then with? And it's like, well, then I feel like you're, that's why you're posing the question as credit. And then it's like, okay, then is that our relationship to like wanting to be credited as artists mm. and wanting to be validated? And is that what we need to dismantle to like create liberation? Or to find us, or to find our way around that system? I yeah. was thinking the other day about capitalism, as you do, <laughs> and I was thinking that maybe because we grew up in, in that sort of um, template and, and yeah. we live in condition, we were conditioned by capitalism. Yeah. So how do we find a way in which we, a space in which we can be authentic that doesn't follow the sort of status quo, but also accepting that we are part, we, we are surrounded by it. It's just like we are in it, you know, there's no, uh, we have to pay for bills, we have yeah. to pay for food, we don't, we don't exchange goods. Yeah. Um, um, so of maybe course. and unfortunately that is the dichotomy yeah yeah because then because then how, how do we how do we as artists live in a, in a city like london of course yeah. without commodifying our own work and without producing yeah. uh, uh, without coming up with a product because i think that's the danger with art and i've seen it in my own practice when i i make collage so when i make a collage and it's like that really moves me and i got somewhere then my instant my instinct is now make something that looks the same and reproduce it several times yeah. and then people can tell and I can tell and it's not genuine mm -hmm. but also I need to make anything <laughs> so, yeah. so to catch 22 I guess it's just an open question how do you, how do, you do you is that reflected in your practice uh, you? how I balance is by having a normal job you know and not relying solely on on art yeah to, to make work and to kind of move forward with my life yeah because if I was solely dependent on it then I don't feel that I would be you know I wouldn't have as access to other things in my life let's yeah. say so that's personally how I balance it I feel like what you're also saying like I can reflect within like academic art teachings and like how do we work against the system but within it yeah which is something I really struggled with being at university and like 
creating the work I was creating and like but then also like really benefiting from this thing that I was trying to critique yeah. if that makes sense what was your experience at university uh, because you went to Goldsmiths yeah so uh, I went to Goldsmiths it was an interesting experience um, I think Goldsmiths is a good institution in terms of the resources that they have mm. you know I think it's a good exp it's a good environment to experiment I think they welcome experimentation uh, you know um, I think there's a lot of institutional politics there. I think, you know, that's not short of, of any other institution that's mm. kind of within the art world. Um, I felt like, you know, they were kind of stuck within these kind of old ways of doing things. There was a lot of ideas that I was bringing to the table that were kind of, you know, like frowned, frowned upon. Do you remember an example, maybe? Um, well, a lot of my work centres around hip-hop culture. Yeah. You know, and just a lot of the things that I was doing was just kind of frowned upon. Because uh, you were trying to use hip-hop as a cultural art piece? Again, or I, I, couldn't say, I couldn't say why yeah. they said these things, yeah. but yeah. I what just know say? that I was met There's with no some logic. kind of yeah, host, yeah, yeah. Host, host, hostility. You know? do, you remember, do you remember any and I remember a particular, uh, a particular situation where one of the tutors, I, I was basically working with this petite fabric, yeah. and I was basically taking, uh, I was extracting quotes from yeah. hip-hop songs, yeah. Uh, that were kind of refer to the self. So a lot of them would say things like, "Can I live?" Yeah. Or, I am. This yeah. Or, so it always was that the "I am God" or something. I am a God. Yeah, so those they're, ones. They're, yeah. They're, they're, they're a variety of phrases yeah. that are taken from hip hop songs. Yeah. And then recontextualized onto a batik fabric. Yeah. Um, I guess in in many ways it's kind of looking at semiotics. Yeah. It's looking at how how does words function when it's extracted from its context. Yeah and this kind of stuff so I basically had one that said can I live mm. and one of the tutors asked me you know what does this mean and I, I kind of explained to him you know this is obviously a batik installation yeah. the text is extracted yeah. from hip-hop and, and he basically made this comment to me that he said oh if my mum saw it she wouldn't get it and it, th that that comment kind of played on my mind for about another two years afterwards because we're making work for his mum be because I didn't understand <laughs> what he meant you know I, I'm not yeah. making work for your mum but that's what he I, wants work out to be well, what was behind digestible. that comment again it's like we could we could literally sit here and debate this for hours yeah. I think what, what that was reflective or indicative to me yeah. was that in this institution you guys have this old institutional mm -hmm. mentality yeah. where this is what art is and this is what art isn't that stunts so, your so if your work doesn't yeah. fit within this demographic Completely. then they're going to tell you oh, well my mum wouldn't understand what yeah. this means which to me was really odd that yeah. was really odd and that took me some time to kind of understand yeah. and and for me it was really just reflective of the fact that you're in elitist environment Completely. with people that uphold each other's interests yeah and we're going to basically make it as difficult for you in this environment as possible. Yep. Uh, so, you know, that was, uh, that was my experience. I feel there was a lot of favouritism there. Completely. So again, uh, with, with a lot of art schools and art courses, they're majority female. So it's the same demographic. Well, white females as well. Well, yeah. that, that as well. But yeah. you know, it's generally female. Yeah. It's generally white females. Yeah. And it's generally white females from a middle class mm -hmm. background. Yeah. So again, that's that's the general demographic yeah. in, in a lot of institutions within uh, within the UK anyway. Um, and I just felt for myself as a black male in yeah. that environment. I was kind of looked at as, you know, the odd yeah. one out. I was kind of yeah. alienated. I was on the yeah. periphery. Um, so there was a lot of that. And um, 
Yeah, I just feel there's a lot of favouritism there. Yeah. So, for example, you know, a lot of the people that were being celebrated there yeah. didn't really go on to do much. Yeah. You know, and within 18 months of me being out there, I was, I've done performances in The Hague. I've literally Because you were able to access a uh, community that is not exclusive to this elitist university space. Do you know what I mean? You were able to access the, the actual art world, which is like this black space mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but it's not validated by them potentially I, I, I personally think that what I do or what I was doing at the time was unique yeah. and I feel that's what got me recognised yeah. it, it wasn't nothing else it was what I was doing yeah. was not being done in art yeah. especially from like a young black British okay. male yeah. it, you know. and what would you if you're going to describe what you were doing what were you doing I'd say I was making work around hip hop and popular culture. Yeah. That's how I'd describe it. Yeah. And you know, I've spoken with other friends that I've studied at Goldsmiths. I spoke with another artist uh, quite recently. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and he was quite critical. And you know, he, he just basically, he doesn't really have a good thing to say about them, really. You about know, who? About Goldsmiths University. Okay. He's had a really terrible experience oh, there. Okay. He's a, you know, a working class black male from yeah. Britain that's come to London to study. Yeah. He's, you know, he felt totally alienated. Yeah. He didn't feel welcomed. All the institutional politics. Yeah. There's this like puppet show almost where, you know, people are parading like they're there to help. But it, it, it's quite questionable yeah. how, how, how genuine that feels. Yeah. I felt like like definitely that speaks a lot to my university experience I feel like there was also a part of me though that was like essentialized because I was like very publicly making provocative work about race sex and gender mm -hmm. and things like this that it was like really beneficial for the course to have me on them mm -hmm. on there does that make sense mm -hmm. so as much as I was like still like a tokenism yeah I did definitely tokenize because like I hands down had the best piece of work have you, have <laughs> in you, the degree show have you guys actually have you lost faith with the education system I didn't have faith in it in the beginning or yeah, do me you, neither you know I didn't have faith in it in the you beginning you didn't because no. I came I came all you know bright eyed and bushy tail and I just oh I made it and I did have an amazing time at St Martin's but I did feel like the lack of representation was yeah. shocking because I was expecting a very queer very rock and roll space and be. then yeah, yeah I just thought that's, that's what art school is and and I also had a good time and I also you know I, 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 the, the, the time and the space that I had to explore my own ideas was priceless yeah. and on the other hand I also felt like I didn't see more people like me I didn't yeah. see I didn't see Latinos I didn't see a lot of queer people if anything I just saw a lot of queer performance from yeah. straight um, <laughs> appropriate and queer yeah. aesthetics yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> and also um, people that were older like I didn't it was just it was it was difficult in that sense because that's not what I was expecting and then I felt bad because I just thought why was I expecting this anyway and then now I'm at a point when I'm like because it should be like that yeah. <laughs> because because it's not representing what you see out there in the real world like it's not representing what we what you see especially in london that yeah. is so rich and Absolutely. varied and I think colorful i think it's really interesting because obviously we all we all went to college together um i had quite a negative experience yeah see college. that i was gonna bring that really up. yeah um, like completely two different like yeah. us three would me and you would have more in common about our foundation experience than camille Oh. But, and I think that's a lot to do with him being a black man. Absolutely. And how he came across to the white, 
female tutor, Absolutely. women women tutor about female. But yeah, because like for me, I felt like foundation was refreshing because I came from an all girls convent, fucking Roman convent school. Oh, yeah, learning about art, learning about all these old white men who are dead to this foundation space and a white Christ. Yeah, and then it comes <laughs> to this foundation space where I was like allowed to like be black and like make work but obviously I don't have that self-awareness that I was completely like I was completely used throughout my experimental like like I was trying to experiment and it was completely like tokenized and completely fetishized I didn't have that self-awareness at that point I was just like being validated in making like work about race which felt really good and also being around people yeah but but also being around a class that looked like London like as much as like there was like definitely like a little bit of disparities like we had like generational yeah, yeah 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 but we had generational we had like race and we had like class. i feel like class and gender and like um no no not say gender but um sexuality um like like we had that reflected in our class and i felt like that was great and we had like these really intense crits which i loved and i felt like i was gonna have in university yeah. where i was gonna be critiqued and like it wasn't gonna be like yeah i like that or i don't like that it was gonna actually be like analytical like evaluations on my work and its cultural understandings yeah, yeah. and i had that expectation in you know like do i feel like i was a little bit spoiled in the foundation but you had a different take but Kimmel, you had a yeah. different experience yeah i had quite a negative experience to be honest um so yeah when i first started on the foundation course i was coming from as i, as I kind of described earlier that you know i had been out of education for quite a long time i was trying to rediscover myself and i just didn't feel that the institution offered me that space to explore mm-hmm. i feel like uh, the tutor that was there was really difficult with me um Again, I feel like she maybe have not had experiences with young black men. Um, And I think, you know, she just did not know how to kind of deal with me, how to approach me, you know, um, and this kind of thing. And what what ultimately resulted in was her refusing to look at my application for Goldsmiths. So, you know, when when I said that, you know, I want to apply to Goldsmiths, the, the first thing she advised me was, oh, it's really difficult, I wouldn't bother. You know, so that, that basically knocked my confidence because mm. you're not only telling me it's difficult, but you're not even saying that you have the faith in me yeah. to maybe try. You know, so that kind of just shut me down initially. I, I still continue to apply anyway. Um, and how Goldsmith's uh, kind of application process is, is you have to submit a written essay. And I basically asked the tutor to have a look over my written essay and she refused to, to look at it. You know, she said, oh, she doesn't have time and, you know, for whatever reason. Um, so, you know, I basically submitted the essay anyway. And, and I still got in anyway. And then, you know, when I, when I came back to college and told her, then she started being really friendly. And, you know, then, I, then she gave me a merit afterwards. And it was like, OK, but, you know, for the last nine months of the course, you've made it really difficult for me. Yeah. But then now at the end, it's let's slap guys on the back. By an institution which then made you like deserving. And has, how, yeah. how have you seen your? Do you do you um, go back and look at your work from back then? And how do you see that compared to now? If you do, um, again, I feel like so a lot of the themes were similar. So mm. I think the themes that I explore haven't changed much, but I think the mediums have and the execution of how the mm. work physically looks and. So yeah, um, I do reflect from time to time on, you know... The, the, the Any like major changes or something that you said, oh, I didn't know I was going to go down There's that way. There's been a lot, to be honest, because when I was <laughs> at college, I was painting at that time. Yeah, I was yeah. painting, I was doing sculpture, you know, I, I'm now working digitally, so I'm now working with video, 
you know, photography, audio. So again, it's completely different, really. I feel like now's a good time for us to talk about the Young Thug lecture series. Mm-hmm. And because like, we've briefly touched on the hip hop, but maybe like we can talk about it in a way which explores what you spoke about mm-hmm. and why you felt like it was important to do a lecture series on the Young Thug mm-hmm. in particular. And maybe we can also then bring in the themes that you discussed, such as like masculinity and like this, like black, like the black history and the context of like hip hop mm-hmm. and how that relates to contemporary art. Yeah, so I feel, um, in terms of the lecture performance on Young Thug, how I see that uh, is, I see that as an intervention. Okay. So I call it a performance, although I do see it as an intervention. Why do you call it Young Thug, for anyone who hasn't seen your work? That's, that's, so Young Thug's an artist, he's a hip-hop artist. Okay. He's from Atlanta, so um, I just became really interested in him because he's got this really unorthodox style, he's got a really, uh, you know, crazy way of dressing, he's got really... He definitely, like in his dressing like it's definitely like almost to the point that like people would say he was cross-dressing yeah he blurs the like, drag he blurs the no, boundaries no, I feel like no because he doesn't call it that I feel like it's okay for him to be dressed like that it's just okay. not okay publicly for a black man to be wearing a skirt alright especially on his album cover do you know what I mean his rap yeah. albums so I feel with yeah. Young Thug he's very problematic in that sense yeah because he's problematic to the black <clears throat> excuse me he's problematic to the black community because a lot of, you know, traditionally what is accepted yeah. in the black community is not uh, how he portrays himself. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then also, um, but you think that's a good thing that he that he questions those things by being absolutely the way because ultimately what he's doing is he's he's expanding what it means, uh, what masculinity is. Mm-hmm. So he's expanding the kind of realm of masculinity by wearing a dress. You know. So again, I feel there's these kind of toxic ideas in society of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. And again, it's like, if we don't have these conversations and we don't have people actively kind of, you know, pursuing and, and you know, making interventions within this area, yeah. then how do we ever move forward past monolithic ideas of what a man is or what a woman is? Yeah. And also you know? because he's doing a lot of harm. Like, the, like I, I was just thinking about the way men are represented in, in culture and in mm-hmm. uh, in hip hop culture and also me coming from a Latin American background where there's the idea of the macho mm-hmm. and then you see how men, especially heterosexual men have a difficult time trying to express emotion mm-hmm. and vulnerability Absolutely. and to ask for help yeah. well so, yeah, it's part of toxic masculinity it is, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So again, what interested me in Young Thug was the fact that he was creating this space within hip hop, an area that I've grown up listening to, that is, you know, uh, very uh, homophobic. Mm. It is, you know, very uh, misogynistic. Misogynistic, you know. There's, yeah. there's these kind of connotations that some hip hop has. Not not all hip hop's yeah. that way, but some of it is this way. And you know, I was just interested to kind of explore that. It's it's a very problematic area. So I thought, you know, Goldsmiths is the perfect arena to do this let's roll the carpet out yeah. and, and let's get stuck into some issues. Do you think that's maybe because you were going through your own process of questioning your relationship to the environment you were in and how you in, intervened into this elitist university space and then the, like to see someone like Young Fog do it on like in on different themes but in a different way in the same way where it is through performance it is through art because you, obviously you, you've like made it clear how you identify hip hop with art which is like right 
do you think that's maybe like a lot to do with how you were going through university? Uh, I do. I think I think a lot of it boils down to perception as well. Yeah. So I think that for me, I struggle with a lot of perceptions that are kind of social okay. perceptions. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I may sit down with a group of people and have a chat, yeah. and they may say something that really strikes me as like, "Whoa, yeah. you know, that's some that's crazy perception that you yeah. have." Um, it's clearly not informed by you know facts yeah. or you know research or yeah. the ontological experience yeah. that you've had. This is basically just something someone's told you, or so I think yeah. a lot a lot of the work that I make is dealing with perceptions, okay. and it's also blurring the boundary between. You know what? What do we know? What yeah. is knowledge? Who who validates knowledge? Yeah. You know where does this knowledge come from? Yeah. So I think again, for me, there's a deeper kind of question there of, of perception and yeah. playing around with that. Yeah. I like that notion of who validates knowledge because I feel like for me that's something I definitely needed to like a process I needed to go through through university where I was like without even realizing it trying to get a good grade mm-hmm. and it was like then it got to third year and I was like fuck that. Like, and I wrote this, like, my dissertation on my university course on how it was, like, just, like, like, the the course was just completely white and how this affected people, affected the people, the women of colour in my course. Um, I've got a coat. I'm just... (laughs) But, yeah. And then, and, like, how that affected them. And then, like, also then having to, like understand my experience and maybe understand that I wasn't going to get out of university which I initially desired Mm -hmm. and that that was like not even from a sense of like having like faith in the educational system because I just felt like I knew it was like all fucked up anyway but more so to like just having to validate me as an artist you know and like then leaving with like the grade I didn't deserve (laughs) (laughs) and then like barely making it through university anyway just because of like the emotional trauma mentally and physically it takes on your body to be around and be within white spaces and be a person of colour and trying to validate your voice yeah Mm How was, how was it received? How were the, the, the lectures? Uh, they were received quite well. I'm not sure people knew what I was doing. <laughs> you know, so people just thought I was playing some videos and talking about hip-hop. Yeah. And that weren't the point. Yeah. But, you know, again, it's however you have to insert your message. Yeah. You, know, you have to do it that way. Um, you know, I, I, I did also do my dissertation on a similar kind of... Uh, similar kind of topic yeah. so looking at kind of you know heteronormative masculinities yeah. and you know uh, new new ideas around masculinities so we call them emerging masculinities yeah. and that's kind of within hip hop culture so looking at people like J. Cole who take a female's position it's a uh, helicopter it's a really loud helicopter going past let it, let it pass Okay. <laughs> yeah, so there's you know a variety of hip hop artists like uh, Kanye West, Kendrick Lamar, J Cole, that kind of you know blur the boundaries around what it means to be a, a black male. Yeah. Um, you know, J Cole, for example, takes he's got songs where he's rapping from a female's point of yeah, view. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Kanye West does lots of different things. How was that? How was that received? Someone rap, a man rapping from a female's point of view, because that in itself problematic i mean what did what was it what was that it's just it's like a really one of his most popular songs really yeah it's received well but i think it was more so because like he was speaking narratively as if like not per se creating he was speaking as based on someone like it's definitely obvious that someone he knew and and like he was like um 
So it wasn't the writing that... Yeah, I think, yeah. But just, like, maybe, like, he was just able to transition it in a way that was, like, poetic. Oh, okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. But then there's, like, people at like Kanye West who are just, like, really problematic. And, like, a lot of his, like... Like, his journey of, like, experimentation does come at the expense of, like, women. And, like, it, it, through a lot of, like, gaslighting and, like, slut-shaming if that makes sense so there are people like because Kanye West definitely like did so much like and now a motorbike <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely done so much like musically to like exaggerate and like expand what it means to be a rapper because for me I feel like before anything he's like an artist but then he's also like like yeah he's just like an old school misogynist <laughs> Yeah, I have my own problems with him because I used to be a fan, and he's let me down enough times now for me to say no. I think he's let everyone down. To be honest, I hope so. There will be people there riding for him, though. You think that? You think that? And there will be people out there supporting. But I think that's like a lot to do with art. I feel like we don't like hold people accountable, and I feel like we allow people to like um, to like um, colonize the space and colonize terms without asking for them to like take accountability to take responsibility of like their influence and their power absolutely yeah I totally agree with you I think that's in a way I have I have assigned myself that job as an artist to question like no one told me this is what you have to do through art but I think it's very important to question things like that because the fact that someone was making work that moved you and you felt identified with it doesn't give them permission to you know yeah be assholes no completely (laughs) And what are you? What are you? Uh, are you working on any projects at the moment? Yeah, I've got uh, I've got quite a few projects that I'm working on. So I'm working on Afro Glitch Two. Um, that's kind of uh, it's the sequel to the work that was selected last year for Bloomberg New Contemporary. Which is the video of the arms in almost. No. Is that not the one? No. What's that one? That one's called. Uh, that one's untitled actually oh is it called, untitled yeah. oh okay I thought that was Afro Glitch kind of got oh no Afro Glitch is the the one with the mask on in the sheet yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, Afro Glitch is it, it's 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 a multidisciplinary project yeah. so it utilises print it utilises performance gold casting uh, video photography so it, it's really multidisciplinary yeah. and, you know it kind of exists across different mediums um the video was selected for a tour last year, yeah. which was part of the Film London Jarman Award. Yeah. Uh, so that toured around the country. Uh, venues oh yeah, like I remember. Whitechapel. I went to go see that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, um, and then also uh, the image was selected for Bloomberg New Contemporaries, which showed last year as part of the Liverpool Biennial. Yeah. It also showed that South London Gallery. So at the moment, I'm basically uh, I'm, I'm in a kind of R and D stage for the the sequel to that project. So I've recently received a bursary from a gallery in South London called Boss and Bound. Yeah. Uh, and what we're going to be doing is staging four kind of conversations with four artists mm. and kind of practitioners around elements that are present within the work. In uh, your Afro Gitch work. Yeah. And, okay. and, and also similarities that I see between my practice and yeah. their practices. Mm. And, and we're going to kind of have these similar conversations to this. So there's going to yeah. be four conversations. That'll be streamed on uh, Boss and Baum's website. Yeah. When is that uh, coming out? Next, 
the next uh, the next few months that'll come out. All right. Yeah. So I've got a performance in Edinburgh next month at Embassy Gallery. I've got a show coming up in Madrid uh, in September, and I'm also working on Afro Glitch Two. So there's there's a few that projects. Busy. That yeah, there's busy. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't get any time to kind of relax, but <laughs> just to kind of go back to the lecture performance quickly. Um, so yeah, when I was making the performance, I was interested in a number of things. So being in that kind of art institutional kind of space, yeah, I felt like a, a lot of people there were just making stuff for the crit, and then you kind of come and you have this kind of 20 minute conversation yeah. about the work and then everyone goes home yeah. and it, it just became so boring to me yeah. and it was just like I hated my crits it, it just became yeah. so ro- robotic and, and, and so kind of like a so machine it's also so performative yeah just performing to what the institution expects yeah. from you and all of this kind of stuff so for me I wanted to do something different yeah. and it was at that point I decided I'm going to do this lecture performance yeah. because it's totally different from anything that I've ever done yeah. it, it's a way that I can put my voice into the space yeah. it's a way that I can interact directly with the audience yeah. you know so there was a lot of things that I got from doing that yeah. where I felt it I don't want to use the word liberated, but... No, yeah, I completely it, understand, yeah. You know, it, it kind of... Um, you reclaimed this space. In a way, yeah, it was about reclaiming space yeah. in a way. Yeah. I feel like that's exactly what I went through, like, going through uni and, like, having these crits were just completely, like, they were just tormented. Like, they were just so, honestly, just so... There was no substance to them. And then feeling like, oh, I want to, like, have this, like, really intense conversation about art and, like, how you as this person making this work is problematic and blah, blah, blah. And I was just asking so much from them. And then for my degree show, I was just like, fuck it. Let's have a conversation around the table for as long as we possibly can and call out all this shit. And I had my notes and I came prepared because I was like... Like I think that that's sounds really empowering. Yeah. yeah, but that's what we need because like yeah. we're allowing people to to create work that is so offensive and but has so much autonomy and so much like validation and so much like celebration Absolutely. without ever being questioned. Mm-hmm. And it's so privileged to ever be able to to ever to ever make work like I, that. I don't know if I mentioned it last in one of the last yeah it was the last episode I can't remember, but I said I think. The, the empowering way of doing this for me would be like to see myself and ourselves as like Trojan horses. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I get into the space and then I just come up with what, you know, with all the things that make me or the labels yeah. that make me and then explore them in that space that's not reflecting those labels back at me. So just kind of creating that narrative for myself. Yeah, but the thing is, is that like, like yeah that's great and romantic to believe that. But also we lose parts of ourselves, like artistically speaking, where we allow ourselves to become teachers within this space and allow this space to also inform us. But then you have to base yourself on what it is at the moment and the reality is that it's not accommodating us. No, completely and, not, and, yeah. And, you know, and we actually chose to go into that environment that we kind of suspected because, was But flawed. then what would be the alternative? Because I feel Become like yeah, we, artists. But then, but then it's like there's that idea of choice. Like, do we really have that choice when it's going to be hard enough? Like, find, find, I find it hard enough. Like, trying to like find opportunities or just like pure will to create work with my B, my bachelor's degree. Like, let alone that I haven't even like, let alone that I can't even imagine what it would feel like to not have that privileged educational background yeah. and mm-hmm. substance to inform my work or to even just like to validate me to like the people who are in control Absolutely. of where my work should and will be seen and how my work will be seen 
mm. and if it will be seen anyway mm. not that I'm creating because mm. I'm just, yeah well we are two year gap <laughs> even the term outside the artist is very problematic it yeah. is isn't it because it's like holding this institutional like you, yeah. you're proper artist and you're, you're like outside, outside the you're, the rebe- you're rebel you're, yeah. the, you're the rebel you're going you're to put the punk label yeah. on you yeah completely it's the part of, it's part of the commodification of absolutely like stop you know because the way I see it, outsider art or art brute is that that's the pure creation of mm-hmm. art it's like their life it's mm-hmm. like they're not separate they're Which not compartmentalizing like we when we talk about yeah. like this culture and this Instinct idea of and by like, going yeah. into by going into sort of academia I think yeah. one of the things we have to do is we have done is like we compartmentalize our lives and go okay this is my artist time mm-hmm. and then this is my work time and then this is my my, my me time but it's just yeah. like, with outsider artists it's like that's their life well, creativity yeah. is an impulse isn't it yeah, yeah. and again at any institution you learn how to refine that impulse yeah, yeah. how to cut back when do you you know do this yeah. how do you make it systematic yeah, yeah. and digestible I, I have to say personally I did feel the need of that structure and I did enjoy the knowing even when I knew it wasn't I was probably going against my my instinct, my artistic instinct, but knowing that I had a deadline and I was going to a crit because knowing, this is a personal thing, but knowing the way I was so unstructured around my practice, and I can still be, I wouldn't, I, it would take me ages to come up with a collage. But it's not a problem, because then it, it, is a, problem. it a bit more manufactured then. Oh, yeah, but I really needed that sort you of frame. You needed to just create. Yeah, just, yeah. just, I needed, I needed like, you know, it's like... But nanny, then, nanny state but then so, my problem yeah. is is like I wish we lived or participated in the art world where that was okay if you took one year to make one piece of work that was okay yes I wish because for me I feel like okay like I'm definitely gonna like I'm definitely gonna start making more performances but it's like I need time to do that and like you always feel this pressure like I always joke about that two year gap but it's like I actually need two years before I yeah. enter back into this white space no, if you think it, and yeah, great work 100%. and if you think about it that goes against again what I'm talking about it goes against the white capitalism it's because yeah. you, you, you're told to create mm-hmm. and to kind of serve yeah. the, you know the system and it's yeah. like what if it takes me two years to make a performance because it's all about production yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you I felt totally disengaged when I left uh, when I left university and it's taken me time to kind of get back into art because it's just such an overload when yeah. you're there and again like, like we've discussed you know uh, you lose kind of various kind of you know aspects of your life yeah I agree um, and yeah for me I'm, I'm still kind of in that period where I'm slowly you know integrating myself back into the yeah. art world because I had to take time out I've had a lot of negative experiences yeah um, you know I've worked with a lot of assholes yeah. there's a lot of funny mm-hmm. people in the, in, 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 <laughs> in the industry you know there's people that have positions of power yeah. that feel that you know because they have the checkbook they can talk to you a certain yeah. way yeah you know so again for me it's about autonomy art, art should be about autonomy it's like you're yeah. making what yeah. you want to make but, and also yeah. remembering I think now that you say about people with a checkbook and the authority and the way they, 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 they could talk to artists mm-hmm. I think for us it's, we need to remember that they need us mm-hmm. yes yeah. and, and they, they want what we, what we, what we create yes. because because they don't have it, and, they, yeah. and I, in a way, you know, I know we need them because I'm not a marketing person. I'm not. A, I'm not a gallery owner. I'm yeah. not a, I, I, I don't know how to promote my work, and yeah. I don't. I don't. I shouldn't. I mean, I'm not. It's not part of my job anyway. Yeah. But I, I think it's important to remember that this is an, eco, an ecosystem, mm-hmm. and we all need one another. Because when you're in that position, then you think, oh, they're doing me a favor. 
so maybe I should behave in a certain way, which yeah. is difficult. I which mean, it's is to like do... being grateful. Yes, like, yeah. oh, thank you for letting me use yeah. my voice when really they want my voice. Yeah, and I think that's like a lot of the things that I struggle with because I will not name, but working with <laughs> a certain no company <laughs> and giving my labour, like my pure, like authentic labour of like knowledge that they need mm-hmm. as like this white institution mm-hmm. and giving that shit for free. Like I realize, like I realize, like that, like we are like taking advantage of, mm-hmm. and like it's like giving your babies away is like yeah, but like you're gonna have all this knowledge, and I'm gonna give you substance, I'm gonna give you cult, and like I'm gonna do bring you research, I'm gonna teach you, I'm gonna put validate all that labor them, in, validate them. Also, I'm gonna make you look good mm-hmm. because I'm here as like this brown person who's gonna be like <laughs> making you look radical. But then also like, where's my compensation? Do you know what I mean? Where's my money? Like, that's legit what it's about. Yeah. And, like, now that's why I realised, like, me taking this break, it was like, okay, I'm going to find a way to create work where I create work for brown people in brown spaces, like, with brown people. Mm-hmm. And, like, that takes time because there's no brown spaces and getting, like, people of colour to a gallery as elitist as it is already is hard because it is so, like, it's just so traumatic like for a lot of people of colour absolutely I think uh, so I was part of the Network 11 collective yeah and that was you know a bunch of different artists uh, kind of Larry at Jampong okay yeah Evan Ifakoya uh, Shepard uh, Manika yeah who are like Ima, Abassi, people who Ocon. are like doing the same sort of work you're doing yeah, it's the same so, sort of themes yeah so yeah. you know they're all kind of black practitioners yeah. working in London a lot of them are a lot further ahead within their careers than me. Yeah. Uh, I was very fortunate to kind of be invited to be part of the collective. Yeah. Uh, the kind of reason why the collective was formed was because of what we're discussing. Yeah. It's because of the lack of lack of space. Yeah. Lack of you know, feeling kind of these these autonomous spaces where you yeah. feel like you can be open and you yeah. can you know, discuss things mm-hmm. you want to discuss. Yeah. Um, you know, also with cuts to funding, it, it's really difficult for young people of colour, mm-hmm. young queer artists, yeah. it's really difficult to build a network yeah. and, you know, a kind of support system. Like, to also encourage them to, val- like, say, like, you're going to be okay, like, Absolutely. you're going to be safe. And, and that, I think that brings me to the question of London, because you're both from London and you, you know, you... I'm originally from Liverpool. I was born are you? In Liverpool. Oh, I thought you were from London. Yeah. I was Wait, born in Liverpool. Come to London? When I was 10. Oh, oh you're a Liverpool <laughs> <laughs> That's so why my, you don't face the, that's why you face the door, isn't it? <laughs> so what do you what do you think about London as a as as a, as, a, as a because it's still really vibrant and it's all so opp- colourful. All the opportunities are in London again. As as someone that comes from up north, but is it supporting because uh, the, the the artists? Because I'm talking from a personal point of view. I'm really struggling, and I sound like such a whine, but I just. I'm struggling sort of financially at the moment and I'm just trying to find my way and it's just I find it so distracting when it comes to creating and I look around me and like the queer venues are closed they're closing the ones that are still there and I don't I don't everything seems so commodified and compartmentalized and I mean just look at the Tate the way everything's sort of kind of like framed in a, yeah. in a way that is it works with the way the city is now in which you know I guess it's capitalism again but I'm not seeing communities being built you know like the, the, the studios that used to be in Sadok, the buildings with the studio where people would just work and make uh, make work and get together. I, I don't see those spaces anymore. Do you do you think there's Places. Like, they're just not like. Do I think what's it? Do you think still, they, they still exist in I London? I do think they still exist. I think they're very rare. I think there's a lot of gentrification happening. Yeah. You know, but I do also think if you compare London to up north, 
a lot more of art revenue spent down south in London. Mm. So again, if, if we had this conversation with a northern artist, they would argue that you know all the money spent in, London, in London, all right? You know, yeah, uh, which it is. So it's one of those situations. So I just need to find a way of well, getting think, the fucking money. No, <laughs> I don't know. I don't Basically. know if it's that because yeah. it's like okay, yeah, we do get like we generate a lot of the like the financial like um, benefits, like art speaking here, but then it is also like really subjective to the artists who are getting that and like I just from going to found, uh, not foundation university and leaving and like understanding like art is about who you know and seeing like my white counterparts having like these like offers after university with like practitioners who are very much from a similar background as them shall I wait for it to be? <laughs> <laughs> no there's a loud truck <laughs> but yeah like from artists who are like from a very similar background to them and understanding this enabling that is like generational and like very privileged and then being like okay like i want to go back to london because i was in bristol obviously i want to go back to london to see if it's anything different and it's very much not different gentrification that is definitely a, a social ethnic cleansing that is happening in london we're kicking out all the people of color we're t- kicking out all the working class people which in essence we are kicking out creatives a large majority of creators, a large majority of people who make London interesting. So it's like, then, like, but these spaces exist, but they're obviously not going to be like popularized yeah. to the said white spaces that exist. So I just think that I just thought, without sounding corny or whatever, but I think the most revolutionary thing that we can do with regards to whatever we acknowledge that is happening is just to continue making work. Yeah, completely. And Absolutely. it sounds really basic and Absolutely. it sounds really easy, but I see people that have studied with and then uh, artists that I know and they just stop making work mm-hmm. and they get a job which is important but they just are become secondary and I think yeah. what we what I and what I think artists in London can do is just to keep making work and make it the primary thing even if you have a, like a like a job to pay for your bills yeah. I think, absolutely I think it's about it's about sustainability I think yeah and, that's know, ultimately thing, yeah that's that's what we all want as artists yeah. you know is to be able to sustain ourselves yeah I think it takes some people more time than it takes others. It's about um, keeping at it. I think so, yeah. I think it's really about, you know, being well connected, being well networked. What I've kind of learned being in the art world is that information is not freely given. Mm-hmm. So it's how it's framed is that, you know, there's all this free information, yeah. come to a talk, yeah. there's a seminar, you yeah. know, there's 20 slides and we're going to give mm-hmm. you all these words. But a lot of it you can't actually use when it's time to fill in your arts council application yeah. or when it's time to apply for funding. Yeah. Because again, with funding, it's a very specific process. Yeah. And again, that's a skill within itself. Yeah. The arts council application form for the uh, you know for the general funding mm. is about nine thousand words. Yeah. Wow. That's a dissertation within itself. <laughs> you know. You, you, yeah, it's just so fucked up. You know. It's and so then, fucked And then up. the people who get funding are quite reluctant to offset their ideas on others yeah. of how they got it or you know here's yeah. my application have a look at it yeah you know maybe you can, it would help you next yeah. time so so yeah as a way to because we're because getting, kicked, we're out. getting yeah. kicked out of starbucks <laughs> as a way to like draw a conclusion and like maybe like i don't know like to, to like summarize this conversation i feel like a good question to pose is like okay then what we understand we have a responsibility to the people like us the people younger than us the generations to come but then, like, what are, what is that responsibility? Can we coin that? That's making sure that, uh, you know, creativity and black kind of cultural production, ethnic, queer cultural production is still yeah. in, in flux. Going. It's still yeah. happening. 
and, and, and you know it's still being pushed yeah and that's it regardless of funding regardless of who's supporting it regardless yeah. of whether you're getting slapped on the back for it yeah you know brilliant yeah that's great Thanks thank you thank you very much that was, really <laughs> that, was good. Good. that was a good one <laughs> brilliant <laughs>